The reading is taken from Exodus. <clears throat> the birth of Moses. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what had happened to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I'll pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses saying, I drew him out of the water. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it didn't burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush doesn't burn up. When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Don't come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at the God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of the slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and spacious land a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Ammonites, Peritzites, Hivites and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. 
When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on the mountain. Moses said to God, supposing I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. It's been a rather strange week, hasn't it? Where we've had the Home Secretary of the United Kingdom going to uh, America and talking about the failure of multiculturalism in a multicultural setting where we have commentators on the radio just being vile and people then claiming that it's free speech. We have a government who seems to be making policy for the disgruntled. And I'm wondering, where are we going? Where is this nation heading towards? In the book of Exodus, we find that approximately 150 years after Joseph, when the people of the Hebrews had gone down into Egypt for safety and security during the famine, A new king arises. This king does not know Joseph or what happened or how good he was or how great, what great things he had done. And he begins to fear those other people, those others in his community, those others who are, yeah, on the gateway to southern Egypt that could easily turn their attentions to an invading army. Those others who are growing in number and seem to be irrepressible. And the Pharaoh rises and begins to be anxious and begins to enact infanticide, begins to enact slavery, begins to try and control these other people to still his own fears. In the midst of this, we get uh, the story of the baby born to a Levite family. A little handsome boy. He looked cute. His mum loved him. 
he was wonderful. They are at that age, aren't they? You know, let's be honest. My two grandchildren are around this weekend. They're not kicked anymore. <laughs> Lovely, but not kicked. And so the mother is intent on saving this child. The mother is in, so intent on saving this child that she gives him up. She trusts him to the waters of the Nile. Yeah, she might have known that this rich woman was going to come down and have a bathe, but we're not told that. She trusts him in this basket to the waters of the Nile and to the God of his ancestors. And in the midst of this, you know, the Pharaoh's daughter appears in her glamour, has a bath, finds the baby, draws him out, gives him back to his mother. The baby grows up a bit, brought back into the, into the, in, into the, wouldn't be a castle, would it? Into wherever the Pharaohs lived, the Pharaoh's palace, we'll call it a palace. And there, he grew up. He grew up away from his community, but knowing about it. He grew up and was given the education of both his ancestors and his adopted family. And in the midst of this, he goes out and he sees a fight and he kills someone. Let's be honest, that's what he does. He flees, he lands with his uncle Jethro and becomes a farmer. He spends some time in the wilderness and one day while he's in that wilderness, he sees this amazing phenomenon of a bush that has caught fire and he hears a voice and it's speaking to him and it's challenging him and he's confused wondering what is going on. He's keen to learn. He's keen to know. But he's also anxious. I can't look God in the face. I can't see God. So these people of the Hebrews are prospering. They're growing and they are causing a tr they cause trouble. Some people want to uh, like to date things. Um, you know, I'm terrible at dates. I can't remember birthdays. I have calendars that pop up and go, don't forget so-and-so's birthday. I've even used Moonpig. And that's a bit annoying now, because now Moonpig keeps telling me when everybody's birthday is, and I'm going, I know, I've sent the card. <laughs> but who was the Pharaoh? Was it Thutmos? Was it Aminotep? Was it Sethos? Who cares? Who really cares? What we're here to learn about is what God has done with his people, how God has supported his people and how he took someone 
who had failed and made them into a leader. What is interesting about this passage is that um, Jesus himself attributes it to Moses in Mark chapter 12. So at this bush, God reveals himself to Moses as the one who is concerned about his people. I have heard the cry of my people. I have seen their suffering. I have heard and seen and now I'm about to act. I am going to give you the job of going forward and bringing my people out of Egypt. You know, how many times have I heard a sermon on this chapter? Loads. How many times have I given a sermon on this chapter? Quite a few. And as I was reading the preparation for this, I, it had never, never dawned on me that the word Moses and the Egyptian version of that is drawn out. But not about Moses being drawn out, but Moses being the one who draws out the people of Israel from Egypt. And I went, oh, that's really good, isn't it? <laughs> if, only, if only I studied the Bible. <laughs> And here we have this whole concept of God, the God who cares, the God we heard about last Sunday. Amazing, isn't it? Two sermons roughly on the same topic. The God who comes alongside, the God who cares, the God who wants to work with, the God who wants to save, the God who loves, the God who challenges us to be different. Do you think God is trying to say something to us as people that he loves us? He cares about us, he's alongside us, he leads us, he guides us, he directs us, and he gives us his love unconditionally. And here we are, that famous, I, if only I had remembered that in the book, in the, in the words of the God of Abraham praises the word Jehovah, I hate the word Jehovah. <laughs> I won't go into it, but I do. And it's always, the, the, just for clarity, it's uh, guide me or thou great redeemer. Okay, It's not that other word, okay? So that's, yeah. <coughs> but we are, you know, and here is Moses being talked to by God. God reveals himself to Moses as someone he, he's heard about, someone he knows about. He's, re he's revealed himself to Moses as someone he's comfortable with. I am the God of your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I am the God of those people. You remember those, don't you? you know, your great, great, great grandfather. You know, and, oh, comfortable. He also reveals himself in a theophany, in an image from... Uh, Genesis, 
which is also something he is comfortable with. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, who appeared to them on the way in the tent with Sarah, announcing the baby, all those things. And this is the God who appears to Moses through that burning bush, a God he is comfortable with, a God he knows of, a God he has an understanding of, but then begins to move on, him on from that to the God that wants to have a relationship with him. Not just the past, but the present. Not just his family, but him. That God wants to speak to him and lead him and guide him. And that's scary, isn't it? When God wants to talk to us and make us different. And I can, you know, I, I would have run a burning bush, middle of nowhere. I'm not going anywhere closer. I'm going the opposite direction. And from this gnarly, horrible, scrubby desert plant, God reveals himself to Moses. Cunning little Moses goes, yeah, but you know, it's all right for you to reveal yourself to me. Now I've got to go and do it over here. What am I going to tell them about you? What am I going to tell them? And again, he says, don't forget to tell them that I am the God of their father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and their mothers too, just in case, I'm sorry. Um, and, and he says, but how will they know? And God tells, the, tells Moses his name, Yahweh, I am, I will be, I will do. We, we, we get a little bit hang up on the I am, the present continuous. But that also translates to I will be. And it's about the future. It's not just about the here and now. It's not just about my relationship now, it's about my relationship in the future. I will be the God who goes with you. I am the God who is leading you. I will be the God who goes before you. I will, you know, and we find out later when Moses gives that eloquent speech and says he can't talk, that God will give him the tools he needs to lead his people from slavery to freedom from slavery to freedom or as one of the commentators put it from groaning to glory I thought that's quite nice isn't it groaning to glory and we as a people of God when we look at our world when we look at all the horrible things that seem to be going on and the anxiety and the of people around us. How helpful are we to lead these people into a future 
of hope and glory. How helpful are we? You know, um, I know this is recorded, but the other day, I, two of my friends on Facebook forwarded a, um, a message about signing a petition to keep free speech in our country based on the story of Fox. And I, want, I wanted to respond. And I thought, no, it's not the best time. <laughs> I want us to move from where we are as a nation to being people who are looking forward to something that is great and glorious and hopeful and the Christians are the people who have that and how do we do that how do we challenge the rhetoric that we've heard how do we speak to people about freedom and hope how do we enable people how do we do it? Well, for Moses, God had a three little step plan. Do you remember? He came alongside him as someone he knew of and trusted. He then began to talk to him with new revelations of what hope and glory might be. And then he continued with Moses throughout his life. Even when he messed up, he continued with Moses throughout his life. He gave him the tools he needed, his brother Aaron, his sister Miriam, the miracles, and he continued with him. So perhaps it isn't as difficult as we might think. Perhaps we can just come alongside people Revealing our love and our care and our concern. Challenging them, encouraging them, and enabling them to be different. And being with them when it gets tough. I hear this myself because some of those people I just want to slap. And I'm being totally honest. Yeah. And I'm, since COVID, I found myself more angry than I've ever been in my life. But what God done was to come alongside the people he wanted to work with him and to lead them on and to guide them and to encourage them and to enable them. And I'm thinking, yeah, but that's hard work, isn't it? That's hard work. It's easier to slap them. So I think I have a moment of reflection myself, how to be different 
to those people around us who need hope and encouragement and changing. And it starts with me. Let's just be quiet before God. I need to preface this prayer. Um, I find it really hard when I think about praying for the many situations in our world, like the war in the Ukraine. When will it ever end? Like the other hot spots of conflict around the world that have been with us for some time, or have just recently erupted. When will nations learn to live at peace with each other? What will happen to the thousands of people fleeing their home countries because of war or famine? Where can they live out their lives in peace? And is God really in control? And then I found a poem that, well, really spoke to me about the situation. And it, amazingly, it was written by a Jewish prisoner in a Nazi concentration camp. And he wrote it on the wall of the prison where he was being kept. And I thought I would make that our prayer today. So let's pray. I believe in the sun, even when it is not shining. I believe in love, even when there is no one there. And I believe in God, even when he is silent. I believe through any trial, there is always a way. But sometimes in the suffering and hopeless despair, my heart cries for shelter to know somebody is there. But a voice rises within me saying, hold on my child, I'll give you strength. I'll give you hope, just stay a little while. I believe in the sun even when it's not shining. And I believe in love, even when there is no one there. But I believe in God, even when he is silent. I believe through any trial, there is always a way. May there someday be sunshine. May there someday be happiness. May there someday be love. Maybe there someday be peace. Amen. Welcome to the world to join God in the work of love, of peace, of justice. Take in the breath of life, take off your shoes, know that you are ever in his presence. For his glory.